Come back in an hour. Housekeeping, you want more towel? No towels. Need sleepy. Housekeeping, you want me for pillow? Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of God. Housekeeping, you want to do podcast? What the hell kind of hotel? Oh, oh, hi, Libby. It's hey, you. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> What's shaking? Yeah, let's do a podcast. Why All not? Right. It's bright and early. It's it's Friday morning. I, let, I've got nothing better to do. Yes, it's 4 a.m. and we're podcasting. <laughs> it's time once again for the OST Party, a podcast where movie fans and music fans get together and have a rocking good time. My name is Joseph Wade. I will be your co-host for this episode. Uh, here with me tonight is my my lovely co-host Libby Cudmore. Libby, what is shaking? Oh, not much. We are. I'm excited about tonight. We, I've taken some flack on uh, last week's podcast, but I'm ready to win back the love of my populace. <laughs> yeah, last week's show was kind of a downer, and we both agreed that we really needed something to lighten the mood around here. And, and what it can't better... rain all the time. I mean, I think we established that. Unless you're here in Greensboro, where it has been raining for a week and a half straight, so. <laughs> It's just uh, a I, sheet of ice here in upstate New York. I am so jealous. You have no idea. <laughs> uh, but yeah, tonight on the show, we decided to lighten the mood a little bit with one of our favorite uh, 90s comedies. It's the Chris Farley, David Spade movie, Tommy Boy. It's the Chris Farley, Tommy, t- Chris Farley, David Spade classic, Tommy Boy. Yes. Get your wordage right. The Chris Farley, David Spade modern classic of American cinema, Tommy Boy. Uh, this is a soundtrack I actually I'm going to say this right now I A didn't have this growing up B could not find it for this episode and C don't know entirely too much about it but uh, we have plenty to plenty to discuss on this week's episode so fear not yes well this is uh, one of my favorite films Uh, actually as I was watching it for this podcast, I was thinking, you know what? This is my favorite film. I genuinely <laughs> love this movie. I always have. This is one of those movies that I would show to potential uh, boyfriends to see how they reacted. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. that's a good litmus test. It like, is. If, you're, if you don't laugh at Tommy Boy, I mean... You're dead inside. Yeah, absolutely. My yeah, this movie just, it makes me so happy, even just to think about it. There's probably not a week that goes by where I don't quote it to either my sister or my friend Thor or my friend Jason. Like, I bought my friend Thor a Tommy Boy calendar for Christmas oh, one wow. year. So I it didn't just, know this existed. Yeah, I, I didn't know either. I just, I found it. And I was sort of like, well, do I want to buy my friend a calendar? Because, like, when I hand it to him, he's going to think it's a record. Because, same, you know, he's going to unwrap it. He's going to be disappointed. It's a calendar. And he's like, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> He was so happy. He'd send That's me, amazing. Like, first day of every month, he'd send me like the new picture. So. <laughs> and I know, like you, you will send me just random Tommy Boy quotes in, in at, for no apparent reason. Sometimes, you oh, know. Oh yeah. And I love it because <laughs> every once in a while, you just gotta send off that GIF of uh, 
of Tommy answering the John Hancock question with Herbie Hancock. <laughs> I think about that every single time because I listen to a lot of jazz. And so when uh, Herbie Hancock comes up on uh, WBGO, I'm just like, <laughs> John Hancock, it's Herbie Hancock. I think about oh, this man. movie all the time. This honestly, like this movie is the movie I think about the most. Just like day <laughs> it's, to day. it's a good one. Yeah. Uh, but before we start, before we talk about Tommy Boy tonight, we have some uh, unfinished business from our six previous episodes. Yes, episode um, number seven, lucky number seven. I know, yeah, and what better what better movie? Uh, but so for our, our, our previous episodes, if you're not following us on Twitter, we are at OST Party, and every week after we put up our new episode. Uh, Libby will post a poll asking our listeners uh, what they think is the best song from that given soundtrack, and we'll you know we'll generally pick four of the songs from the soundtrack and let people vote. Mm-hmm. And we have the results from the those six polls. We're going to start doing this more regularly. This is kind of the first chance we've gotten to really do this. Ooh, I'm excited to hear. <clears throat> All right. So from the very first poll from our Clerks episode, episode one. With 56% of the vote, our listeners declared Chewbacca the best song on the Clerks soundtrack. Oh, come on, guys. Really? Clerks got zero votes. That is sad. You people are monsters. I'm shocked that they got that many votes, to be honest. Yeah, it's not that great, guys. Okay. All right, moving on. Episode two, Batman Forever. Uh, with 40, 44 votes, it's a pretty good poll. Uh, but with 73% of the vote, Kiss from a Rose was declared uh, the best song on the soundtrack. <laughs> Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me got uh, 11 votes. Oh, come on. <laughs> Where Are You Now got zero, and the Riddler only got one. Okay, whoever voted for the Riddler, please show yourself. Yes, please. if you voted for the Riddler on this poll, please let us know. <laughs> That's hysterical. Um. I heard Kiss from a Rose in the bank while I was <laughs> getting paperwork for a mortgage, which I think we can all agree is like an extremely grown up thing to do. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I was instantly taken back to like the eighth grade dance and you could just smell Love's Baby Soft and <laughs> Calvin Klein Eternity. And it was the 90s. It was like it. It took me right back there. You had like an age crisis and you thought, what am I doing here at the bank? I know. Like, why? I have, where's my dress from Delia's? Where am I? Am I wearing <laughs> jelly shoes? I need an adult. <laughs> oh, my God. So, <laughs> so uh, for our, our third episode, Back to the Future, we, we went with a different tack and we asked our listeners, what was the worst song from Back to the Future? There's a couple of them. Because yeah. everyone knows the best song from Back to the Future is The Power of Love, followed by Double Back. Yes, yes. Um, but with 58% of the vote, Heaven is One Step Away by uh, yes! Eric Clapton. You all agreed with me. That song is terrible. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm surprised we, did, we didn't put uh, Back in Time on there, on there <laughs> in, in contention, too. I don't know. It's true. It, yeah. it's, it's not as bad as Time Bomb Town or Heaven is One Step Away. I mean, those songs are that's bad. That's true. Yeah, it, it, it wouldn't have won. It's merely goofy. Yeah, it's true. Um, so then moving on uh, for episode four, the Cool World soundtrack, uh, 36% of the vote, David Bowie's Real Cool World was voted the best song. Of course. Uh, which surprised me. It, it surprised me that the spread was pretty even, and that one just kind of yeah. edged out everything else. So Yeah. It's a good soundtrack. Yeah, it is. Terrible movie, but good soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, episode five, our Smash Mouth extravaganza. <laughs> Uh, this is the most baffling one to date, if you ask me. 77 people voted in this poll. Uh, what was the best cinematic use of Smash Mouth's All-Star? With 35% of the vote, Shrek and Mystery Men both tied. What? 
I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> and it <laughs> happened. That's incredible. Good for you guys. 14% of you people voted for the Digimon movie, and I don't want to know you. I think I know one of you, Abby. Yeah, Abby. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I take back what I said earlier. Abby, you're fine. You can stay. Everybody else has got to go. Yeah. <laughs> and then Rat Race kind of snuck in there in third place with 16%, which, what? You know, I'm going to go with Rat Race being the best use because at least it was like they include, like they didn't just tack it in. Like they they made it work within the, you know, <laughs> in the film. You could, with Shrek, you could put in any song. You know what Shrek didn't have? John Lovitz playing Hitler's harmonica during All-Star. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally, our last episode, uh, with the poll just ended uh, this morning uh, for The Crow. The best song on the soundtrack was voted uh, with 50% of the vote, The Cure's Burn. Nice. I feel like we saw that coming because you didn't put Dead Souls on the, on the poll. Well, it was, we were torn because um, cause we've only got four slots. So um, we each picked two. I went with Burn and Time Baby 3. How many did Time Baby 3 get? That's what I voted for. Uh, 4% of the vote. (sighs) 24 votes, I'm pretty sure that's just one vote. It was you, wasn't it? Yeah, it's me. (laughs) Well, I put my thumb on the scale, too, because I voted for Golgotha Tenement Blues. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We want to get a vote to just kind of get it going. Yeah, exactly. What else should people like? We're people, too. There we go. Yeah, exactly. We have opinions too, damn it. That's what you're listening to. So yeah, those are our uh, our polls so far. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Tommy Boy poll because this is a fun as hell soundtrack. Oh yeah, this is this is like a, a Libby defining soundtrack. Mm. Um, and we might actually have to uh, have to do two and then uh, you know, take the results from there. So, uh, yeah, maybe so. If you're listening to this, please vote in the poll uh, when you see it across your Twitter feed. Make sure to, again, to follow us for all these great polls. Yeah. And if you're listening to us, you know, months, months later or years later, we do generally put the polls up the day the episode releases. So be yes. on the lookout for that. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, where do we want to start tonight? Uh, Libby, I guess the first thing to do is uh, tell us a little bit about Tommy Boy. All right. Uh, well, Tommy Boy was released uh, March 1st, 1995. It is directed by uh, Peter Siegel and uh, produced by Lorne Michaels. It's, it is a road comedy film. Uh, it, it stars Chris Farley and David Spade. It also has, uh, it also has uh, an uncredited Rob Lowe, Bo Derek, Dan Aykroyd, and Brian Dennehy. Uh, it follows the adventures of uh, Tommy Callahan III, who barely graduates from college, returns home to his dad's auto parts factory. Uh, his dad marries a beautiful Bo Derek and dies uh, the day of his wedding, leaving Tommy in charge of the factory. Uh, Tommy is a big dumb idiot, and but a good sweethearted idiot, volunteers to take his dad's sales route in order to save the new brake parts division. He uh, pairs up with David Spade. The two of them go on the road to sell brake parts, and hilarity ensues. It's a great movie. It is a great movie, yeah. And I think this is... I don't want to speak out of turn here, but I feel like I'm in my right mind saying it. Uh, this is maybe one of the sort of classic comedies of the '90s. Like this is the one that's one of the ones that's held up the best. I I agree. Um, I know a lot of people will go to bat for Wayne's World, and Wayne, Wayne's World is great. 
I like Tommy Boy better. Mm-hmm. I just I think it's a sweeter film. It, it it really is. And one of the things that I realized when I was watching this this week was that it occurred to me a lot of my favorite comedies from the 90s are all road trip comedies. Oh, yeah. There's something about the 90s and and road trips and the, kind of the, the open road. You don't see those as much. I mean, even, you know, some non-comedies like Thelma and Louise, um, you know, which has its funny moments. But Beavis and Butthead to America is a road comedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dumb and Dumber is a yeah. road comedy. Yep. Actually, a lot of the Farrelly Brothers movies are road comedies, like Kingpin, mm-hmm. uh, uh, something about Mary, me, yeah. myself, and Irene. They're all road trip comedies. And I guess that format just works. Yeah, because it's it's an adventure. Uh, it's sort of a modern quest. There is something in the distance, whether it's Beavis and Butthead's TV, whether it is the chance to save the auto parts factory and Tommy Boy, whether it's you know the mythical, uh, the mythical Mary. It is sort of that that holy grail quest and there's something about tommy boy in particular that that makes this feel like a very extremely american movie like like the stakes are very uh working class um like very something that a lot of americans can just like easily identify with like oh the plant is is in danger of going under and the town might die yeah that's and as we it's it's funny isn't the right works it's actually quite tragic i mean this is something we're witnessing in real time and so it's funny no, it's kind of sad to watch this and think like, wow, you know, that factory, it has gone under. I mean, it's obviously yeah. not a real, uh, you know, real like it's, factory, it's, but it's, 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 it's stayed relevant, is, I guess is what I'm saying. Is like, yeah. it's, it's just as relevant today as it was back then. Like you drive through Tommy's town, Sandusky, Ohio, and they basically, they basically lay out that like the Callahan Auto Parts factory is the only thing keeping the town alive. Yeah. It's like all the other factories have gone under. And they're the ones they're the ones keeping everybody employed, basically. Yeah. Meanwhile, Tommy and his family are, uh, you know, sitting pretty in the mansion, but they've kind of sort of earned earned it. I don't know. I feel weird saying that. Yeah. No, it's it, they you, you get the sense, obviously, that the Callahans are quite wealthy, but you never get the sense that they're not going to fight for the people uh you know, they're workers. That is the whole the whole crux of this because Tommy could sell the factory and just, you know, continue to party, but he doesn't. He goes on this this trip with this person who hates him. Uh yeah. and he I mean the, one of the last lines in the film, uh when he's talking to everybody, he's like, I'm gonna do my best to make sure every single one of you has a job. And you get the sense that this is a an employee or an employer who cares about his employees, who wants to make sure that they do have good jobs, that they do have, you know, benefits and that they're taken care of. And maybe that's the real fantasy part of it when we talk about the quest narrative, is mm. that here's a benevolent employer who actually gives a shit and isn't going to sell his factory out to uh, China. To or or, in, or in this case, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> We'll get we'll get to him, but I feel like we should talk about Dan Aykroyd at some point in this movie because he's amazing. <laughs> he's great. He's hysterical in this because he's he still this, he's still rocking he, his like the hair version of his cone heads. Uh, yeah, like the prosthetic. giant like triangular like wedge of hair that he's got. <laughs> and he, and like, his he weird accent. On, like, he yeah, he lays on that midwestern accent so hard. Oh yeah, there's it's... a there's a bit where where he's doing his his uh, uh, shtick, and my sister and I used to always. Uh, 
impersonate this like and i want your kids to be safe when you take them for a ride like that there's like a couple extra whys in there i love it i love midwestern accents they're my favorite thing i always love the scene where they're they do the the uh the crash test with the car and as soon as the car hits he just goes god i love that i know he's hysterical (laughs) he's amazing every every, uh, this this movie is extremely well cast Mm. um but i guess the first thing that i want to talk about real quick is a song that's not on the, the soundtrack but i wish it were Yes. Which is the Tommy Boy, like, orchestral theme music. Yes, because it's, it's quite, quite stirring. It's, it's, it's bright and it's bouncy and it's very, I, I, I guess, warm hearted is the best word for it because it just makes you feel good. Um, David Newman did the score for this film and it really it is kind of the best like sort of when you think of like a physical comedy that you think of this kind of score, like the big drums mm-hmm. and like the silly horn music. And it's I don't know. I, I, something about it is just very inviting. The string section always reminds me of sort of like blowing leaves on a like warm fall day. Yeah, yeah. It's very sunshiny. But then every time Tommy does something stupid, you get like the big timpani drums in the background. Boom, 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 boom. Like he's a big ape, you know, yeah. doing his big ape stunts. <laughs> but it so, works. It, I mean, it, yeah, it, the it kind never... of slide trombone that you get in, the, in there a couple times. Yeah, womp, womp. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But you never get the sense that, that like we're supposed to make fun of, like the movie's making fun of Tommy. It's We're laughing along with the movie at Tommy because Tommy is... Yeah, he's a big dumb idiot, but you know he means well. Yeah, and he's I, and I think this is one of the things. Um, obviously, um, you know, Chris Farley's no longer with us, and and this is the second movie we've had where the the star has since passed. Um, I don't get too upset about celebrity deaths. I mean, I get sad, but like they don't necessarily affect me. This one, to this day, like still profoundly affects me, and I get really oh, sad every time I think about it. Um, because Chris Farley was such a warm person. He was, you know, quite loving and very kind. And and in this one, you really get that sense. Uh, later movies like Black Sheep, Beverly Hills Ninja are a lot meaner to him than this. This one is goofy, and it definitely uses his physical comedy uh, in some ways that are a little you know a little crass nowadays mm. they make a lot of jokes about his weight and things like that but they're not as mean as they would be later because he's so kind and the movie wants him to succeed it's gonna make him fall down a couple times but but he's in on it yeah so you don't feel quite as bad like if, if he weren't doing fat guy little coat I think it would seem a lot meaner, but like he's doing this stuff to himself, and mm-hmm. I think he knows it, and I think that's kind of that kind of um, takes some of the sting out of it. Yeah, and also that I mean, this movie does physical comedy to Rob Lowe, uh, it does physical comedy to David Spade, so it it does sort of spread out the misery a little bit. Mm-hmm. And d- for David Spade's part, I it's when we lost Chris Farley, I really feel like David Spade got lost in the shuffle too because they really do work the best together absolutely and when they're apart it's just very obvious they kind of need each other yeah although i will will go to bat i remember thinking dickie roberts former child star was pretty funny but it's as i was watching this i realized that maybe the closest thing we have to chris farley someone who sort of channels him if you were to fuse david spade's sort of acid tongue his sarcasm 
with Chris Farley's sweetness, you get John Mulaney. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I can see that. You, you, that's like, that is, that's the perfect medium of the two of them. So if you're listening to this, God bless you, John Mulaney. Uh, so yeah, let's dive into this soundtrack, shall All right. we? This, as I was saying, is one of my favorite soundtracks. I've had this since high school. Like I've actually, I've had the same CD since high school. And jealous. I love this. I love this album. Um, and one of the things I really like about it is that like Clark's, but even more so, it includes quotes from the movie so there's all these different little bits uh in between just about every song there's i i always like when i make people mix cds uh i like including uh like i the year um that i graduated i made my friend jason who's a big tommy boy fan like me it's one of the first things we connected over um i made him a mix and the opening track on it was um the uh, graduation bit. You know, a lot of people go to college for seven years. I know. They're called doctors. So it really gives you the sense that, like, it it firmly roots it in the film. Yeah. Which I like. And I'm so glad that they put them, like, separately on the track, out soundtrack, and not, like, at the tail end of songs. Yeah. That's so obnoxious. Yes, especially when you were burning CDs in 2005. Make it easy on us, guys. Jeez. Yeah. The uh, songs do appear in order, for the most part, although... Um, we actually a couple of them play one of them plays twice uh i love it loud the injected mix by the funk junkies Mm -hmm. plays uh two points in the movie this is where the the soundtrack kicks off and it's it takes place, uh, Tommy has discovered that he's finally going to graduate, because I guess once you pass History 201, that's all you need to graduate I know, from Marquette it's University. <laughs> and it's funny, because I'm looking at that like a fifth grader could pass that, which is hysterical. Yeah, so. but also then the, then the revelation that he has been there for seven years. <laughs> that's the one thing he couldn't, uh, he couldn't he could, pass he up couldn't on. Crack, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that he's there, you know. They're partying. They're partying hard, and Tommy's making his speech about, you know, some of us are going to move on from here. And then I love it loud is playing in the background. This is just good, like frat party music. Yeah. Even, even though I don't love this song, I think it's kind of obnoxious. It's um, I was kind of like moshing a little bit, like as I was sort of setting up my computer and this was playing on. <laughs> it's I usually skip it. I will listen to about the first two or three minutes of it. And then uh, skip right over it. Uh, what I think is adorable is um, these the Funk Junkie founders, KTEL Disco and Soul Man. Um, and then there's another one. Um, Wait, this is apparently a Kiss song. Yes. I did not is, know that. Yeah. This is the uh, uh, injected mix. Um, there's another DJ in here named Roach Clip. They are both natives of Alaska and grew up in the same trailer park. Huh. That should probably, as you listen to the song, come as a surprise to no one. You're like, oh, there's a trailer park involved? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a trailer park. Yeah, yeah. I get it. <laughs> okay. Exactly. But um, they didn't meet until they actually um, grew up and moved to Arizona. So, um, so this one actually uh, got a music video. And and not just sort of a cash-in video where they cut in clips from the movie, although they do that. 
David Spade and Chris Farley are in the video. They go to a Funk Junkies concert. Yeah, it's they think it's an auto parts store. They go in, and it turns out the Funk Junkies are uh, playing. And uh, David Spade hits on some ladies. Chris Farley moshes. It's pretty awesome. And yeah, I, and I guess it, we should it, clarify it's not Chris Farley, David Spade. It's Tommy Callahan. It's Tommy and Callahan and, and Richard... Hayden. Hayden, yeah. Uh, and it also apparently takes place in the nightclub from The Crow for some reason. <laughs> yeah, there's just cement floors and ugly people. I was fully expecting Tommy to crash from the ceiling at the end, but nope, didn't happen. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm surprised that this existed. Like, I didn't know that they actually made a sort of quote-unquote official Tommy Boy video. Yeah, and this would not have been the song that I would have picked as the um, <laughs> not at the all. big single. <laughs> Never. So and I. This was definitely not the big single from this album. No. There was not really a big single from this album, was there? No, not really. Although it did have some um, some heavy hitters uh, as we sort of jump ahead to the next track, which is Silver Naked Ladies. Uh, mm-hmm. That is the Midwest's own Paul Westerberg of The Replacements. So we have not had the replacements yet on this podcast, but um, previously we had on the Clerks podcast, we had another, again, working class uh, comedy. We had uh, Tommy Stinson with Bash and Pop. Mm, yeah, okay. So, so we, we're getting, we, we're now getting replacements in bits and pieces here, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, just one by one. We will eventually assemble the whole band. <laughs> Avengers style. <laughs> oh, please tell me the replacements are on the Avengers soundtrack. I, don't, that would I be doubt perfect. it. That'd be too cool. That um, would be too synergistic. Yeah, I know. <laughs> God. But no, this is actually um, not not one of my favorites. Uh, but I I remember listening to this a lot and liking that sound. And again, not knowing who Paul Westerberg was, and so yeah. like, like Bash and Pop. This was these are sort of my early the the you know, laying the ground for uh, my, you know, now obsessive love with the replacements. Right. Yeah, I had to do a double take when this song came on uh, because I honestly thought it was the Black Crows. Um, It definitely has that sound to it. That sort of uh, that southern blues rock kind of feel to it. I'm not going to hit you for that, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Black Crows are fine. My husband was less impressed than he should have been that I know all the words so hard to handle. (laughs) why not i know i was like this is a really impressive feat and he's like "Mm." (laughs) so nobody appreciates my talents joe no no i'll do it for for you at karaoke sometime when i come down and we take the tour of where the crow is filmed well yeah we'll 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 trade barms over uh (laughs) over karaoke and and drinks let's do that (laughs) let's do it so but um (laughs) but yeah this um the thing with this soundtrack is it doesn't really get good until about four songs in yeah, it takes its, it takes its time getting going. But once it gets going, it's this is really we talk about it being a, a road movie. This is a really good song, a really good soundtrack to actually put on while you're driving. I was thinking about that today. <laughs> like I drove home listening to this, and it was perfect. Yeah, and and I don't know if that's a factor of like I've just watched Tommy Boy enough that I associate this music with driving in a car because I've seen it in a movie. No, but um, I don't think that's it. And and it's funny because. Uh, I think, you know, we go back to talking about road comedies of the 90s. I love road trips. 
I don't mm-hmm. I don't love flying. I will, but it's not my favorite thing to do. Um, but I do love road trips, which is weird because I don't like driving myself, but I like car trips. And Libby, this is perfect because I love driving a car, but I hate sitting in the passenger seat. Perfect. This works. <laughs> uh, but and I think I think Tommy Boy and and road movies like that, I think, established that. Uh, for me as a, as a child long before I could drive. So mm. I think that's definitely a part but, of my love affair with the open road so long as someone else is driving and I can mm-hmm. pick out the snacks. But that's kind of perfect, though, because, like, what's the one thing that you do when you're driving in a car? You listen to the radio. Well, I listen, listen to, to music. Yeah. I mean, I listen well, to the same Elvis Costello CD over and over and over and over. In 1995, <laughs> you listened to the radio. Yeah, you did. <laughs> or your dad's Warren Zevon tapes. Hi, Dad. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Or your dad's one ACDC live tape <laughs> on repeat forever. <laughs> but but no, this is one um, I used to play this when my friend Jason and I were driving around Binghamton. So I always I hear mm. this and I think about driving in Binghamton. Yeah, this movie, this song plays uh, when Tommy comes back into town after graduation, and Richard's driving him to work to the the Callahan plant, and they're driving through the town and seeing all the factories that have closed down, and Silver Naked Ladies is playing on the radio. Yeah, and again, when you think of the of the replacements really being this very working class band, Paul Westerberg was like working as a janitor while they were being like the early days of the replacements, and has always been you know very working class when you think about 80s punk they weren't doing like the the punk thing they were just like guys in jeans and flannels and uh you look at the cover of um uh let it be and they look more grunge than like what we consider punk so Mm. working class roots are really essential to the replacements mythology so i think that was a really i don't know if that was central to the choice to use it at this piece in the film or in this place in the film, but um, there's a nice undercurrent of that. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of the songs on this soundtrack do have sort of that that I don't want to keep saying working class feel, but I mean they do. Yeah, there's this... really no way around. But so, I don't know. um, but yeah, it's that it's not quite grunge. It's um that still sort of what would be considered college rock when we get into things like Tommy Shaw and Jack Blades, Soul Coughing, um, mm-hmm. you know, those the Smoking Popes. This is very much a college. This is a very, it's funny because this is a very boy movie. It is, yeah. There's, I think, two women, three women in it. Um, yeah. So the, there's the waitress, there's... Uh, there's Michelle, yep. and then there's Bo Derek. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, this is a, but but it never at, at no point does it particularly feel misogynistic. There's yeah, it it always keeps sort of its heart in the right place. Yeah. I feel like absolutely. Yeah. So, but um, but as such, it has this very like college boy mm-hmm. uh, rock mm-hmm. feel. Although I'm. Um, well, that's kind of the arc of the movie is it's Tommy trying to get over his sort of college frat boy days and sort of man up and become a responsible adult. Yeah. And but just going back to the funk junkies momentarily, they were really ahead of this, like really the trash rap uh, that we would see in our own high school years. Things like uh, Limp Biscuit. They were really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So way to like... go, funk junkies. <laughs> We're coming Congrat- for you. Congratulations, you invented new metal. Do you feel good about yourself? Yeah, I hope you can sleep at night, assholes. 
that's the one genre like i i'm pretty open about music that's the one where i'm like nope Nope. Yeah, there, there's like a, a very, very selective, like one or two songs that I kind of like, and then the rest of it's just like, ugh, get, this is get it. it this, out of here. This song, I will, because I can listen to about five minutes of it, and I'm like, I, I, I will say this. I, I do keep one Limp Biscuit song on my, my uh, phone playlist, and the only reason I keep it on there is because lest we forget. Lest we forget how bad things can get in the world of music. Oh, it's, yeah, it's important you to know? keep humble. No. So it, it, it grounds me every time it comes up in the rotation. It's like, oh, right. God. There is terrible music in the world. I yes. forgot. <laughs> That's really funny. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, but yeah, then uh, if we, we jump ahead to uh, Primal Scream's Call on Me, which is playing as um, they're driving around. Uh, Rob Lowe, who plays Paul, Beverly's son. Uh, Rob Lowe is actually uncredited in this film. Really? Yeah. So, which I don't know why. Although apparently David Spade would hang out with him a lot. And it would make Chris Farley super jealous. <laughs> well, because Rob Lowe is just so cool, but right? But he plays literally the worst person in the whole world. Did you eat a lot of paint chips when you were a kid? <laughs> why? I think he, he definitely had a type in that era because, like, he was also – he basically played that same character in Wayne's World. Yeah. Not the exact same character, but he's that, that guy, you know, the the antagonist who's just kind of the biggest douche in the world. Yeah, because he's really handsome but in a super douchey way. Right. He has that way of, like, cutting his eyes that just makes him makes you, it look like he just really hates your guts. Yeah. Even though he hasn't, he, hasn't, he hasn't done or said a thing, he just gives you that look and you just know, like, oh, God, Rob Lowe hates me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so these, I mean, these first couple tracks on this album are not, they're not the best. No, and, they're fine. But, yeah, they, they well, aren't going to stand out. Except no. for Silver Naked Ladies. Which Silver is Naked Ladies is pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. But, uh, but then we, yeah, then we get Call on Me by Primal Scream. Which is fairly similar to Silver Naked Ladies, but I feel like it's a step above, just a bit. See, I think it's a step below. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this one, um, as we were watching, I was writing down, you know, where things appear in the film. This mm-hmm. one, I could not. I knew that I recognized it, but I could not remember where it was in the film. And actually, you corrected me uh, in sort yeah, of our pre-show I... conference. But actually, the the song that sort of breaks us out of the. I don't want to call it like an A-side rut because obviously this is on CD. Um, this right. was never on tape, although I do believe it did get a vinyl release. I can check that. Um, is uh, our this this week's entry into our Under the Cover series, um, and that is Wait for the Blackout. It was written by the damned who we last sort of saw on the Batman Forever soundtrack with oh, Smash okay. It Up being covered by the offspring, but here we've got the Goo Goo Dolls covering Wait for the Blackout. I did not know this was a cover until like two years ago. Wow, I did not know this was a cover at all. I, all, all I do know about this track is that it only appears on this soundtrack. Yes. 
oh, I'm, this is one of those like marvelous little, you know, little. Yeah, B-side. like Google Dolls have not like re-released it on a, a you know hits collection or a B side collection or anything like that. It's just on the Tommy Boy soundtrack. Yes, and it's great. This is oh, one yeah. of my favorite songs, and I kind of like. I'm gonna lose all my punk cred, uh, <laughs> but I, I do, and I think probably because I just I've been hearing this song uh, for you know 15 years so this is just the version i prefer yeah well this was also in that period right before goo goo dolls did the song for city of angels and completely sold out and stuck for the rest of time when they when they remember again when they remembered they were a rock band yeah and this is still um we're what like uh two years out from dizzy up the girl i think that was 1996 yeah, six or seven, yeah. Yeah, so um, this is still a boy named Goo. Uh, they're mm-hmm. not the sex maggots, but they're still <laughs> they're still rocking pretty hard. Oh, yeah, this is, a, this is a really good one. I like this a lot. Yeah. And this plays, this plays where in the film? Tommy and Richard have set out on the road on uh, Big Tom Callahan's sales route, and this is the first song that plays uh, on the road trip mix. Mm-hmm. So, and this is a this is a great song to drive around to. It really yeah, is. Yeah, it's a it's a good song to like start a road trip because mm-hmm. you're like full of energy and you're ready to just blast out onto the road and like boom, here we are. And then we kind of get the lulls in the soundtrack a little bit later. Yeah, um, I mean, I would disagree. I think the the lulls well, kind of come first, but well, I mean, once once the road trip starts, I mean, yeah, okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is between the the scene that comes up. After this, the kind of iconic scene where Tommy is sort of blowing it. Uh, you know, he's, there's a whole montage of him saying no. You know, people right, saying no. Richard, Richard says, like, we don't take no for an answer. And then cut to no. Okie dokie. No. Gotcha. Thanks. Mm-mm. Terrific. Thanks for your time. Let me say maybe. But this is the scene where he's in the office. And he proceeds to smash up the guy's model cars in demonstrating why Callahan brake pads are the best. It is one of the most iconic scenes in the film. And it's very reminiscent of uh, the Chris Farley show on, uh, for those of you who, you know, who used to watch about Saturday Night Live, where he would sort of stumble through interviews with Paul McCartney and, and different celebrities and ask them really stupid questions like, you know, do you remember when you were with the Beatles? And then he kind of beat himself up about it. Um, very, very, very <laughs> funny stuff. This, I think, is the most reminiscent of that. So, um, and it is the funniest scene in the film. The only line that is, is in my head right now from this, this scene is just him going, here comes the meat wagon. <laughs> and the new guy gets out and goes, oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. I actually texted that to a friend, just that line, like, and the, and the medic gets out and says, oh, my God. <laughs> it is this the is, funniest thing in the world. This is this is definitely going to be a show where we're just going to quote the movie at each other. Yeah. I'm sorry, everybody. Yeah, sorry. I know you were probably hoping for deep introspective thoughts. On the funk junkies, it's not gonna happen. We're just gonna it's just gonna be the next hour is just us quoting Tommy Boy. <laughs> but uh. it is just so funny. <laughs> so are we, are we ready to move on to our next huge embarrassing failure? <laughs> You're a huge embarrassing failure. Shut up, Libby. The Goo Goo dolls are actually they're they're touring a lot. 
And I should go through their set list and see if they've ever played this. I will not go see them this year. They're touring with Train. Oh. And well, that answers my my question because when I looked up this song on YouTube, the first thing that came up next to the video was a little link that said uh, the Goo Goo Dolls are playing in uh, uh, Charlotte in July. Would you like tickets? No, you would not. No, no, thank you. <laughs> no, but um, I I actually have a real soft spot for the Goo Goo Dolls, and I think that's just because I am a '90s teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still enjoy some of their songs, but uh, it, they're one of the ones that's kind of cool to hate on now, I think. Yeah, and it's like, they're fine. Uh, I mean, they're they're over-earnest. Mm-hmm. Iris really really did a number on them, I think, in that regard. Oh, that song's the worst. But um, we're going to have fun talking about City of Angels. No, um, this, I, I, I really like Dizzy Up the Girl a lot, even though it is so, it's very... You know, we go back to what we said about the crow in that it it just feels its emotions really hard. Mm-hmm. That album just feels itself so hard. It's just like, oh, my girlfriend's on heroin. Oh, ugh. oh, black balloon is so fucking depressing. I know that all of them are. Slide is a bummer. Like they're all bummers. And... The, the only one that's the only one that's not a bummer is Broadway, but that's only because it was it's up tempo. The lyrics are a super bummer. I know, and they're like they're they're like hyper sort of Bruce Springsteen, just like about like people drinking at bars and being sad. Like, all right, semi-sonic, fucking chill. <laughs> but I do. I have a I have a soft spot for the Goo Goo Dolls, and I always will. And this, but this is like the one Goo Goo Doll song that I like still really like. Where, mm-hmm. like, not even, like, like it because it reminds me of high school or like it because, um, like, Big Machine always reminds me of this guy I dated in college. But this song, like, I genuinely like it. I think this is a great, I think Wait for the Blackout is a great song. It's, and mostly because they didn't write it. Um, <laughs> they just stripped it from somebody else's catalog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And made it palatable for teenage girls like me. Yeah, of course. Um <laughs> So then from here, we've got a few songs that aren't on the soundtrack itself, but they're in the film. Yes. We can kind of bounce around a little bit if we want to. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of, of Patsy Cline doing Crazy, mm-hmm. which plays as Richard is really dressing down that gas station attendant, uh, <laughs> laying on that sarcasm really thick, and then Crazy's playing in the background. Yep. Meanwhile, Tommy is out beginning to destroy his car, which is a wonderful yeah. joke that they carry throughout the film, just like his car getting more and more destroyed. Yeah, like, the car is almost a character in the film. No, not really. It just no, gets it, destroyed. <laughs> but it kind of is, because they, you know, the uh, actually, we go back to Silver Naked Ladies. As they're driving around, first he dumps M&Ms in the dashboard. Yeah, that's right. And then, uh, as Crazy's playing, he uh, just peels the front, the uh, driver's side door, just right off. Oh, yeah. You can watch it, like, happening in the background. <laughs> Lily, what did you do? <laughs> I've been known to say that. It's like, what did you do? What did you do? <laughs> I tell you, this oh. movie, like, this movie is probably the most quoted movie in my life. Like, it just... It's an extremely quotable movie. It is. Um, I know, it's, it's brilliant. Oh, actually... and, and, then, and then right here in my notes, I wrote, maybe if Richard's car had Callahan brake pads, he wouldn't have hit that deer. Oh... <laughs> Here comes the meat wagon. Yeah, so uh, at a certain point in the, in the movie, Richard's making fun of Tommy, and as he's making fun of Tommy, a deer walks out into the road, and he just obliterates it. Yep. 
So and they cry over it. And honestly, like I mean, there's there's some real points of emotion in this film. Big Tom's funeral, uh, the scene at the end in the sailboat. But they there's two scenes where they cry, and this is one of them, and it's hysterical. Uh, the second is when they are singing uh, "Eris 2, performed by uh, Melissa Dadis. And and uh, uh, superstar by the yes. Carpenters. Yes, so they like the two of them crying is a theme that repeats, and it's always hysterical. Mm-hmm. So because like like you already know that Tommy is is that kind of an emotional person, but then you see Richard opening up too, and it's just like oh, these two people are meant to be together. Yeah, he's just sobbing over this dead deer. This poor uh, dead deer. Except that the deer isn't dead, which we will discover later. <laughs> Right, they, but they still load it up into the car, because what else are you going to do with it? Are you going to take it to the vet? You don't take dead animals to the vet. Why not? i take you to the vet. Take you to the... Shut up. Are you done? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's another thing, too. Like, I will... Like, if somebody's just going off, I will just say, are you done? Are you still talking? Is what I do. Are you talking? <laughs> But um, we we are the worst people. We are, and Tommy Boy made us this way. Yes. I I honestly think I feel like Chris Farley's watching over us. Oh yeah, he he's he's looking over us and he's giggling like a schoolboy. I know. We're, we still love you, Chris. Oh, so. R.I.P. Yeah. Um. So the the next part of the soundtrack um is it's where the 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 um the road trip sort of uh sing along really kicks into gear. Mm-hmm. Um. Do you want to? pick a song from this talk about it uh yeah sure uh so the first we hear is is my hallucination by shaw blades I, I looked this up because I didn't know this, and I'm kind of shocked. It's Tommy Shaw from Styx and what's his name? Uh, Jack Blades. Jack Blades from Night Ranger, <laughs> which at the time they were in, they were members of Damn Yankees with Ted Nugent. But then I guess after Damn Yankees ended, they just decided to keep making music together as Shaw Blades. Yes, which is a pretty awesome. Uh, if your name is Jack Blades, that's like that's that's an amazing name. That's a pirate yeah. name. It's a, it's a pirate name. But then, like, I'm as I was reading that, I was going, like, that's got to be a pun of something. What is it? Shaw Blades. And then, of course, it hit me. Saw Blades, yeah. which, duh, okay, whatever. I'm but my bu- hallucination is, is a, a I'm pretty Joe fun. I'm I'm the biggest idiot ever. Stop that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go on. Yeah, no. Shaw Blades, uh, my hallucination, is the first song that we see Tommy and Richard sort of listening to really really listening to in the car like they're fighting over what to play on the radio mm-hmm. and and my hallucination is is pretty good like, for like that sort of 80s to 90s arena rock sound like tommy shaw being the guitarist for sticks like he's really I, I feel like the only member of sticks that really had any talent to begin with so um... N- not a big dennis de young fan but uh no i i enjoyed the song kind of a lot it's it's uh got a lot of good guitar riffs in it and that's kind of the thing that i enjoy yeah well um i this is just me again like a huge nerd um 
did you in high school ever have to do something like where you dissected either American Pie by Don McLean or uh, We'd Insert the Fire by my arch nemesis, Billy Joel? Not to say that Don McLean isn't my arch nemesis. But. No, we it, when I was in in like high school writing classes, they would make us they would they would let us choose the songs that we dissected. So I didn't have to do any. Okay, of that. well we actually had to do it in um, history class, and I brought this into my AP history class and played it, and nobody cared. Oh my! This was God. the one I because I mean it talks about uh, the Kennedy assassination. Um, you know, Manson lived, Lennon died, uh, Charles Manson um, mm-hmm, yeah. just died. Uh, you know, John Lennon, uh, the the Martin Luther King assassination is a little heavy handed. But um, this was one I always I of my sort of heavy handed history songs. This is the one I kind of dig. But OK. Yeah. yeah. So um, I was like, this will be cool. And then like nobody gave a shit. So no, oh, that's I, a shame. I know this is like super embarrassing. That hurts. But whatever. But this, Fuck you, AP yeah. history. Cobble Skill Richmondville. <laughs> Fuck you, A Push. Like, nobody cares. Um, I have a podcast now. Do you motherfuckers have a podcast? Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. Do you have a podcast? I was A Push too. It sucked. Um, but no, there, there are two songs on this soundtrack that I feel like are better We Didn't Start the Fires than We Didn't Start the Fire. What's the other one? And, um, it's The End of the World as We Know It and I Feel Fine. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to get to that. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk a lot about that in a minute. That's a great song. But, um, <laughs> So Tommy is rocking out to my hallucination, and Richard turns changes the radio station to uh, "Air" by Seven Day Diary. Now, when I was listening to this on YouTube, I didn't realize this had happened until I like really studied it. Somebody made a, a video of those two songs like mashed together, like thir- like a, a minute and a half of of uh, my hallucination, and then it fades into a minute and a half of air. And I guess to try and replicate the way Tommy Boy does it in the movie, mm-hmm. I don't know why you would do that, but there it is. Yeah, that's that seems like a lot of work. So for for my purposes, I got screwed out of listening to half of both of those songs. <laughs> but no, I really, I really, Air is probably um, up there with Wait for the Blackout as, that's actually, uh, Air is the song I listen to the most, because mm-hmm. I love that girl power pop. Um, and this actually, I, I talk about driving around listening to this song, uh, or the soundtrack with my friend Jason. Uh, when we were living in Binghamton, I have this distinct memory of we'd gone to pick up party supplies for my sin city themed birthday party my 22nd birthday party and we were coming back from the mall and green day was actually playing on campus that day uh on the american idiot tour i know oh Uh, yeah and my friend mike had gone to get tickets he um and i knew was waiting in line and we're driving in binghamton and i just it's my birthday. I'm with my best friend. I'm going to have a party where all of my friends are. This song is playing. And I'm like, this is the happiest I will ever be. It was just this moment of pure bliss. And that's that's what this song always makes me feel. Oh, I know. And then it started raining. And we're like, ha, ha, ha. Mike stuck out in the rain waiting for Green Day tickets. What a loser. <laughs> so... 
it just like I hear the song and it makes me because it's got this very ethereal feeling to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's a lot of the lyrics are like "I am air, I will surround you." It's very, it's breathy. It it sounds like what it's singing about. Um, and this this song sort of gr- continued to to grow with me as I got as I got older. So I can't find anything about the band Seven Day Diary. I think. Maybe they just I existed for this. Couldn't either, yeah. Yeah. So um but I, I later put this on a mix for Jason. So the Tommy Boy soundtrack has ended up on a lot of mixes because there's just there's so much to mine from. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when I look up Seven Day Diary on Google, a couple of facts come up like right away. Mm-hmm. Active from nineteen ninety one to ninety seven. Oh. So not not too terribly long. Albums Skin and Blister, figure six Tommy Boy the movie. So the Tommy Boy soundtrack is like listed as one of their albums. Right. I don't know if that's a good sign or not. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, actually, one of the things I really like about this is you've got a handful of, you know, big bands. Um, yeah. Obviously, you've got the Goo Goo Dolls, you've got R.E.M., you've got Texas Midnight Runners, but you've also got some of these sort of smaller acts. You've got the Smoking Popes, you've got Soul Coughing, you've got Primal Scream. Uh, yeah. Paul Westerberg solo, uh, you know, the replacements never quite got their due. Um, but again, it's that very college rock. It's not, it's not U2 and Seal and, and Nine Inch Nails. And right. Because not- we should mention, we should mention this. This is, this is kind of concurrent with um, Batman Forever. But this is 1995. Like, so the yeah. Crow and Batman Forever. Like, we're, we're, we're really stuck in the mid 90s right now when the episodes that we're choosing but it it really kind of highlights just how diverse the scene was at the time because like there's really no overlap to to this or the crow at all or batman forever for that matter yeah um and that's you know at some point we will branch out into you know different eras but part of it is we're you know we're, we're watching movies and listening to soundtracks that meant a lot to us exactly so that we yeah. can really share that with you so um but yeah this song really this is it this song probably comes up on shuffle about once a week for me really yeah wow. i listen to it a lot uh, so same cool. we wait for the blackout <laughs> but all right all right um i want to talk about um also there's there are a couple songs on here as we said that are not used um the biggest disappointment for me not what not being on the soundtrack was Timbuk 3's "The Future's So Bright." I gotta wear shades. Yeah, I know <laughs> that's a fun song. Yeah, and I, I'm surprised that it's not on this because it's played at you know they've just made their first sale and things are going great and they're only getting better. It's played over a montage of them continuing to sell, so I'm kind of surprised. I don't know why they couldn't license over the soundtrack. They had to make room for the funk junkies, I guess. Apparently, yeah. Well, I mean, one of those songs got a, a Tommy Boyd music video and the other one didn't. Yeah, I think. I don't know. <laughs> but that song is easy enough to find. It's sort of an 80s classic. Yeah, yeah. So There's... apparently about like nuclear holocaust. But like what in the 80s wasn't about nuclear holocaust? Yeah, I mean, really. really. Well, you know what? It's, it, it's double uh, confounding that this isn't on the soundtrack because like – uh, Timbuk3 were on the same label as REM at the time. IRS. So I, 
IRS, yeah. So I don't know why they couldn't you could get one but not the other. Maybe they spent all their money on REM. <laughs> Let's talk- in, 90, in, in 95, REM was probably the like one of the biggest bands in the world. So that probably cost a lot of money. Yeah, that's true. Um, and this, I mean, this song is kind of the one everyone everyone knows. So um, do you want to talk about It's the End of the World as we know it? And I feel fine. First of all, I guess I'll say this is the song and actually the movie and scene that got me into R.E.M. Same here. Because how could you not? Really? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they're Tommy and uh, Richard are driving down the road. They've listened to all these. Uh, the, the future's so bright. They got to wear shades because everything's going great for them. They're making sales. They're on the road. They're doing it. It's great. And they're just singing along to everything that's on the radio. So uh, we'll back up in a little bit and talk about Come On Eileen. But uh, then it cuts yeah, from Come On Eileen. It cuts to. It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. And they're just jamming out to it. And then the second verse kicks in, and they don't know any of the lyrics. And nobody does. And um, my sister and, and I, I had I was this. Gonna, hang on. What? I was going to do like a, a fun party trick where I was going to try and do what they couldn't do in the Oh, in okay. The scene. Okay. So let's take No, no, no. No, no, no. I'm saying right now. But when I tried to remember to recite it from memory myself, and then I looked it up, and only about 30% of my words were correct, I realized I can't do it either. <laughs> no, um, uh, my husband claims that he knows all of the words to It's the End of the World, so we know, and I feel fine. And he has not proven this to me yet. <laughs> Unlike no I proved yet. that I know all the words too hard to handle by the, the Black Crows. <laughs> but balls he, in your court Ian step it up yeah um, he's gonna listen to this he's gonna be like hey I just can't I just got called out so, sorry man <laughs> but um my sister and I used to do that big because I, I had uh REM's eponymous on mm-hmm. cassette and I do not know where I got it it's just one of those like when you were a kid growing up in the 90s you had cassettes that didn't yep. come in like the little box they were just cassettes that somehow ended up in your hands um cassettes that you just randomly found in a cardboard box on the street no i think it was probably from my older sister but like i don't know how it like shifted to me somehow but um my sister hillary and i shared a room we had seen this movie we love this movie we quote this movie all the time um we still quote this movie all the time and we would play uh, that's i've never actually like listened to an rem album I've just always had either like singles or um, I've got eponymous on vinyl and we would play it on our tape player and we would do this bit. Like we would start singing at the chorus and then we do the like six o'clock TV hour. Yeah. Yeah. Like we would, and and, like it would crack us up. Like, so um, we probably, if that song came on while we were in the car, we would probably just like do that automatically. Right. Right, of course. <laughs> yeah. This song is just fascinating, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah, this is definitely a better song than um, uh, We Didn't Start the Fire or American Pie. American Pie sucks. That song sucks harder than We Didn't Start the Fire. You know what? I'll give it to, I'll give it to you. Yeah. I I'm not going to be the guy who's going to defend American Pie. Yeah. Well, don't, one don't of these days we'll get guy. to the Madonna cover of it. Oh, just <laughs> shoot me now. 
Christ. Uh, like I just told you, like I don't know the lyrics like I thought I did. And like I was afraid to look up too much about the song because I was worried that I would destroy whatever ma- like impenetrable magic the song had. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, you know what I, but you know what I found out? What? Now I kind of understand where the song's coming from. And I still don't know half the references that Michael Stipe is making in this song. Like it still is just like the rambling musings of a of a beat poet who discovered Adderall and cable news in the same weekend. <laughs> He's doing those mountains of blow that uh the guy has in the crow. Yeah, exactly. Candyman does uh what was his name? Uh Tap Shoes. Tip yeah, Tap. Yeah, Tap Shoes. Yeah. Top Tap. T-Money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, T-Money T- like discovered the internet and did a mountain of blow and then he wrote a song about everything that he read on the internet. It would be funny to have somebody redo It's the End of the World as we know it. And as I say that, someone like Jimmy Fallon is going to do it, and it's going to be terrible, and I'm going to regret ever putting that out to the ether. Yeah. See, the, the bad thing about people, like, redoing We Didn't Start the Fire or updating it is that they, like, at least Billy Joel had the sense to make everything rhyme. And the, people who are, like, updating it just can't do it. They just string a bunch of shit together. Yeah. And, like, it's not even funny. No. Some of them are. I will retweet the funny ones. But, um... The, the best is when you just see a random string of words and just go, like, oh, yeah, that's that's the worst version of We Didn't Start the Fire ever. <laughs> but, um, actually, um, the band Great Big Sea, who are a Newfoundland folk rock band, do a cover mm-hmm. of this on uh, their album Play in 1997. It is literally the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. I've got to hear it now. It's terrible. And I could go on for a long time about uh, how Great Big C traumatized me, but I won't. <laughs> we have to get back to Tommy Boy. Let's yeah, talk about things that are fun. Like, but, uh, yeah, it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. Like, th- There's something so like manic and exciting about it that you really have to just stop what you're doing and listen to it. You yeah, know? it is. And also, um, unless you're driving, in which case, keep driving, sing along. And I feel like it's one of those songs where you could make up the words and they're still fine. Uh, yeah. Just, like I went to, to lyric genius to f- try and understand some of the words. And even the annotations are like, actually, I think the lyrics are this. <laughs> and so even they don't know what the song is. Yeah. It's, um, but generally, like generally speaking, it's basically a song about all of the awful, like world ending shit that like Michael Stipe sees on TV in the mid eighties. And he's like, Oh yeah, the world's ending, but what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, oh, it's mostly about him ranting about Ronald Reagan and the Iran Contras and just, you know, it's, it's, we didn't start the fire except it's very nihilistic. It's, we didn't start the fire for college boys in 1989 going to school in the Midwest. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that is a really specific shout out. It really, really is. Uh, uh, and you know, you know you I, I, it, it, <laughs> it makes me wish that there were more songs in the Independence Day soundtrack so we could talk about that. Oh God, I wish. Yeah, and this, this actually does appear on the the Independence Day. It's not on the soundtrack, but it does appear in the movie. It's, it's in the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, it's hard to, As, hard to decide which is the better use. But I'm I'm gonna go with Tommy Boy because you've got a joke built around it. Right. But yeah, because it's just fun. In Independence Day, it's just like the most obvious like foreshadowing ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. But uh, I do. I do. See, we're going to talk about Independence Day now because I do remember the TV commercials for the movie Independence Day using that song for some reason and making it seem like it was a a fun, exciting action movie, which they didn't need to do because it already is. Well, yeah. And it's also a super bummer of a movie. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And 
we're probably not going to end up talking about Independence Day because there isn't a lot. It's an orchestral score as opposed to a pop score. Yeah. Uh, which is too bad because I have a lot of thoughts on Independence Day. So <laughs> we might have to take that to Twitter. No, we always watch Independence Day on the 4th of July after playing Fizzball, but before lighting off fireworks. Nice. Yeah. We have, we have right. Independence Day like fucking down. I'm so jealous of you and your life. Your life sounds so much better than mine. Come on up for Independence Day. I'll do it. We got firecrackers. Mm, so, all right. Okay. So yeah, um, let's let's jump backwards just a little bit because before we get to REM, uh, we we hear uh, Dexy's Midnight Runners and Come On Eileen. Uh, Libby, uh, take it away. Here's the thing I've learned about Come On Eileen. Uh, if you are at a party and it's super boring or it's kind of flagging and people are getting tired, if you put on Come On Eileen, everybody just swarms to the dance floor. <laughs> it is the yeah, most fun it. song ever written. It is an amazing track. It, I love it. It's just like people who have never danced in their lives will just start dancing to this. Guilty. It, oh my god, it's great. I played it at my wedding, and I played it at my wedding because it's on the Tommy Boy soundtrack. Right. And they're like, that, that's how much this soundtrack means to me. And because I knew, you know, half the people there were big Tommy Boy fans, obviously, because they wouldn't be friends with somebody who wasn't. Yeah, right. And so they all, like, we all remembered it from that, that scene, and everyone just starts dancing. You could, <laughs> like, honestly, a flash, you could, like, go into a town square and put on. Come on, Eileen by Dexys Midnight Runners. And people will stop and dance. I challenge you to go do that. I, I want to do this so bad now. I know. Um, it just makes so, people happy. And this song is in a lot of movies, too. Like There was a, there was a period like, about a year ago where I tried to make a super cut of all the movies that use this song. <laughs> but cut it in a way so that all of the movie... Like, the song is basically... Each part, each part of the song that each movie uses, like, cut all the way together so you basically get the full song. Mm-hmm. And... The only reason I didn't finish it was because I didn't know how to finish it. Because <laughs> none, none of the movies that use it ever use it to completion. Yeah, they usually just use the chorus because that chorus is so yeah. catchy. Um, yeah. But it is, it's also in Take Me Home Tonight and The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yep. And, uh, and uh, Get Him to the Greek mm-hmm. and uh, the, one of the episodes of that show Preacher. And there's a couple of more, but I, I got a bunch of those clips and tried to like mash them together and... It kind of worked. I should maybe try to finish that just so you can see what it looks like. I would like. love to. Um, and here's the thing. Like, this song, I'm, I'm sort of iffy on covers. Um, a few, uh, about a month ago, uh, for those of you who follow at Libby Cudmore on Twitter, I put out, uh, you know, which is the worst way to cover a song. Um, Scott covers, uh, ironic punk covers. Oh, no, I know what's coming up. Yes. Um postmodern jukebox and i forget the other one but save ferris covered this in 1997 and i remember being in this is like i'm about to have like the most 1997 moment i summer i was in oklahoma uh oklahoma city at quail springs mall doing my back to school shopping with my grandma or no actually with my sister hillary um and i was like is this a motherfucking ska cover of come on eileen are you shitting me like how can you? How is that legal? Mm. It, I mean, this song—you know—no one is allowed to cover this song. The song is perfect. There's nothing that can be added, only taken away. 
And the fact that like none of them are wearing, they're wearing overalls and no underwear is just hysterical. The video for this is hysterical. Mm, yeah. What you know? What I thought you were gonna say was that this was this was on the Weezer Teal album that just came out. And now that I look at that track list, I'm surprised they didn't do it. Don't but you, also thankful because fucking Christ, could you imagine? Don't you fucking threaten me, Weezer? I will destroy every <laughs> single one of you and everyone you love. Like just just think about that though. The, the teal album has already come and gone, and I thought they did it, but they didn't do this one. God, I would destroy them. So uh, here's a fun thing about "Come On, Eileen." Um, it's your favorite Clerks joke, I know. No, actually, I wasn't about to make that joke. <laughs> no, I was going to make that in a few minutes. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Um, "Come On, Eileen" prevented Michael Jackson from having back-to-back hits. It was in between uh, "Billie Jean." and beat it oh wow yep i don't know i don't know how to feel about this is that the reason that everyone's talking about ariana grande having like as many number one singles as the beatles i don't fucking know i don't because 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 dexie's midnight runners stopped michael jackson from having another consecutive hit i'm okay with it that's probably not true but you know what yeah me too yeah i'm like 100 percent okay with it the song rules and billy jean i just billy jean's too goofy beat it amazing Billie Jean, I I don't know why the chair would be his son. I mean, you your your family owns furniture store, not me. But um. the Billie Jean bass line is the greatest bass line in in a rock and roll history, and that's as, that's as far as I'm willing to go. Okay, um, I'm not gonna fight that at the moment. There's probably a Steely Dan one that that I like, but it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah all right yeah i gotta win i finally gotta win yeah well okay i'm gonna let you have that but um <laughs> but no uh as as you said um we do harken back to clerks come on eileen is in randall's porn titles which is yeah. fucking hysterical and and now that that's in the world i can never hear this song without thinking about it um the lyrics to come on eileen are pretty dirty I, already yeah but then it's they just hammered the phrase a, a lot yeah you um know? Yeah, the. <laughs> um, come on, Eileen Tuluraye. Come on. Yeah, Eileen. you and that dress, my thoughts, I confess, verge on dirty. Um, mm. But there's the line, and you'll hum this tune forever. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Tuluraye. So, <laughs> um. So. Yeah, there, there, there are a few songs in the world that, that I feel like can can make anyone feel happy the moment they hear it. Uh, the Power of Love is one. Yep. Come on, Eileen is another. Yeah, and Peg by Steely Dan. Mm-hmm. I mean, just when you hear that those opening notes, you're just like, this is the greatest song in the world. But this this sequence, which goes, uh, come on, Eileen, it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine, and Eris 2 is one of my favorite sequences in a film where they're just driving and singing. It goes from, you know, they're just so happy singing Come On Eileen. They're confused singing It's the End of the World as We Know It. They're weeping as they sing Eris 2. It's just such a wonderful montage. It's like, it's the high point of the film because like they've, they've finished the sales trip. They, they've succeeded at, as far as they know. And they're driving home victorious and they're singing their hearts out to just everything. I know. And you're like, they're friends. This is all is yeah, good. Yeah. It's a good feeling. And and it, it extends to uh the this Spanish song from the seventies and they both know the words and they're both belting it out like <laughs> and crazy. They're and they're sobbing. I love it. 
And they're sobbing. <laughs> Eris 2 is interesting for a couple of reasons, though. Like, I'm not going to talk about it much, but I, I will say um, it was Spain's entry in the 1973 Eurovision contest. <laughs> where it took second place. Like, Eurovision is a thing that I always say I'm going to get into just for the novelty of it, and then I never, ever do. The only thing I know about Eurovision is that uh, Father Ted's My Lovely Horse did not place. Because it was a room. <laughs> <laughs> Have you watched Father Ted? No, I didn't. Father Ted is hysterical, but they write this song called My Lovely Horse. <laughs> and it is, it's really funny. You kind of just got to look it up. All right. That is all I know about Eurovision. <laughs> yeah, basically Eurovision is American Idol, but there's voting. There's like nationwide voting involved. It's I don't know. It seems like something we would we would do get into here if it weren't called a Eurovision. Yeah. Uh, but um, the other the other interesting thing to note about Eras Two is that it was it's been covered dozens and dozens of times, mm-hmm. including by a German singing duo coincidentally named Bo Derek. Yeah. <laughs> who is in this movie <laughs> that's hysterical i didn't know that so. so there's there's connections everywhere you look i know i love it so oh, um man. one of the things is that that sequence um is right before what uh you know the screenwriting professors would call like the the all is lost moment yeah and but they're we have only two tracks left on the soundtrack. So there's uh, the rest of the music is like orchestral. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, there's, there's no pop soundtrack as we get to the climax of the film. Right. Like when, uh, so Tommy and Richard go to Chicago to sort of convince, uh, Zelensky, Dan Aykroyd to not sell, not, not buy out the company. And they, they fly on a plane and, they're pretending to be flight attendants to get to Chicago, and like the the David Newman score is just like breathlessly, uh, it's scoring every dumb thing Tommy does for the next five minutes. And it's it's funny because that um, the whole airport sequence is such a lost. Like as I was watching it, I mean, like I might as well have been watching a film that takes place in the old west that they <laughs> buy the tickets at the counter there are pay phones you could just yeah. run through there are meals on a flight what are we serving tonight chicken or chicken <laughs> yeah on a flight from from uh, upstate ohio to chicago yeah which is as far as i could tell about an 11 minute flight yeah pretty much it's probably in real time mm-hmm. that's how yeah, long it would yeah, take no you. kidding of the whole movie, this is the one scene that really just feels like a Saturday Night Live skit, and I am not complaining. Yeah, really, the only thing in this that hasn't, I guess, aged well is at some a couple points he says, "I'm retarded," uh, yeah. which is ableist language, and we don't use it anymore. Which is but... which is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. I was keeping an eye out because I wanted to know how dated this movie has gotten, and really, those are the only moments I could find. I noticed. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple of probably fat jokes that go too far, but. And, um, but like, but like, the sex jokes are really not in as poor taste as, as I had remembered. Mm-hmm. There aren't really any gay jokes in the film, are there? There are not. Uh, which I, I, which I found refreshing. Like you would think in '95, oh, it's going to be wall to wall gay jokes. It's not really. Yeah, there's uh the sex jokes in this. Uh, we were talking about this earlier. Oh yeah. Um, the <laughs> bit where this is to me again one of the funniest parts. Um, Tommy has gone out to get a pizza again. They've made their first sale. And Richard notices a hot girl 
going to skinny dip in the pool and her bathing suit is hilariously 90s it's really high-waisted it's like weird french cut i think is uh (laughs) how you would turn that and he's sort of narrating like oh tommy don't do the weight room thing and can i can i just say i never ever want to hear david spade do sexy talk in my life ever again like oh god it's just kind of an appetizing but it's also hysterical what i didn't realize and i didn't realize it until literally tonight when i was watching this film when he says and speaking of nobody's looking he's jerking off yeah like there's a really quick like he, he zips and you, you hear the motions and like oh god yeah <laughs> like really you hear it. like his hand like the sort of pumping and i had never i think it's yeah like i watched it now i was sitting a little closer to my tv uh as i was making notes on this i was sitting on my beautiful new rug um and i was just like oh god i missed that <laughs> and like i sort of knew as a kid like he thinks she's sexy and like i guess as a kid you don't really like put those things together necessarily i was also right. a really late bloomer um, right. and and but also on tv like they cut around a lot of that so you get less of the joke yeah uh, in the uh the housekeeping joke i remember what he says housekeeping you want me jerk you off it yeah. was you want me to give you french kiss was how it was See, I re- in. okay i i remember a version where he was like you want me to jerk you up like you want me to come in there and you want me to get you out of that bed, huh? So, so hmm. there's a, apparently there's a few versions out there, but yeah. So then uh, Tommy comes back to the room. David Spade like jumps or Richard jumps back into bed. It's like, oh, nothing happened. Now I was doing nothing. And was... then Tommy starts Tommy starts making masturbation jokes at him, and it's hysterical. And I just finally like this week got the last one because he says like, "Were you watching Spanktrovision?" Yep. Which yep. do you want to talk about that a little bit? What's yeah, your experience so, with Spectrovision, Joe? Uh, I have been in lots of hotel rooms in my life. Have never purchased an adult movie off of a TV. Me neither. Have never purchased, have never purchased any movie off of a hotel TV I, because my dad would destroy me. Well, and the other thing is, actually, um, I can't remember the last time I was in a hotel that actually offered in-room movies. And then later, <laughs> there is, you know, they're laying in bed. It's obviously later. Um he says, big day tomorrow. He's like, yep. And he says, Richard. Who's your favorite little rascal? Alfalfa? Or is it Spanky? <laughs> and I just got that as a masturbation joke. Like, <laughs> last week. Wow. Well, because I grew up watching Little Rascals. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just associate. And... So, uh, it's a perfectly normal question to ask at four in the morning. Well, yeah. Like, because that's the kind of, <laughs> I shared a room with my sister. So, that's, like, the kind of dumb stuff. You'd be like, okay, like. Neither of you can sleep, so you ask, like, really dumb shit. Right. So, like, it just <laughs> occurred to me. I'm on some family vacation when I was when my brother and I were kids. I must have just blurted that out in the middle of the night one night. Oh, yeah. It's like, hey, Dan, who is your favorite little rascal? Tell us, Dan, who's your favorite little rascal? Anyway, the movie's coming. The movie's coming to an end, and we've got two more two more tracks to discuss. Yes, uh, one of them is housekeeping, which we went over. Um, but the uh, the last track is uh, "My Lucky Day" by the Smoking Popes. This is my lucky day. That's what they always say. This is what they mean. Blue. Every 
the Smoky Popes actually had uh, kind of a moment in the 90s. Um, uh, they Their album, uh, Born to Quit, uh, the song Need You Around, was uh, in the film Clueless. Oh, okay. Um, Lucky Day was used in Tommy Boy. Mrs. You and Me was in the film Angus. Gotta Know Right Now is in Boys. And to support that, the album uh, Born to Quit, they toured with the Goo Goo Dolls, Tripping Daisy, Do- Jawbreaker, Dinosaur Jr., and Morrissey. Oh my god. That's a lineup and a half. That is a, an extremely 90s lineup. Whew. So, And that album, I actually had that album for a while. Need You Around is a great song. It's worth uh, born. I, I think if you're gonna pick out sort of any band to follow beyond this soundtrack, um, you know those Goo Goo Dolls apparently are quite popular. Um, but uh, this Born to Quit is probably the one. Mm. It's actually it's a it's a really good kind of college rock album. Okay, and I'm so I'm kind of surprised that this wasn't the single that got pulled out considering that they ended up on a bunch of these other soundtracks. Yeah. Uh, but, and I actually, I like this. This might be one of my favorite tracks on the album, like as a whole. Oh yeah. It, this song is great. I'm trying to think of a good analogy for this. It, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking of like Goldilocks and the three bears, like, like, um, um, uh, like silver naked ladies is a little too Southern rock and call on me. is just a little too something else. But then my lucky day is, is like per- right, right there in the middle. And it's just perfect. You know? Yeah. There's a certain sound of the 90s, and at the moment, I don't have the language to describe it. Well, there's like... But it is distilled. Yeah, yeah. Because there's... On the one hand, you have like your kind of jangly sort of college rock pop, and I'm I'm kind of thinking of the Gin Blossoms, and I'm I'm trying to say that in a not derogatory way, because who doesn't love the Gin Blossoms? But um, the gin blossoms are great. Yeah, and I love them. And we'll but like, but but like, that's them. definitely a, a sound, you know. Yeah. And then you've got the grunge sound, and then you've got um, your, I guess, mainstream rock sound, where I guess that's where like the Tommy Shaw and the, like the Shaw Blade stuff comes in. But mm-hmm. then, right, and kind of in the Venn diagram of all of that, there's kind of my lucky day right there in the middle. Yeah, and and we're not quite into the sort of hippie resurgence that we're going to see with Dave Matthews Band yeah. coming up. Barf. Um, I, I, my feelings on Dave Matthews Band are complicated. I, I was um, mostly saying barf to the phrase hippie resurgence. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it was a thing, and we're going to talk about it uh, when we get to Austin Powers. Uh, but, um, but yeah, this it, this song has such a like purely distilled. It's sort of a grounded jangle pop. Yeah, because it's it's not as doesn't have that. That sort of uh, Roger McGuinn sort of folk sound that comes out, uh, you know, that inspired guys like Johnny Marr. Mm-hmm. It's a little more, it's, I guess, grounded is, is the best way to put it. Uh, it's a little more focused. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's a little heavier, but only slightly. And this song, My Lucky Day, has appeared on every single mix I have ever made a boy. If I love you, you got my lucky day. And I don't know. And that's like, I don't generally do that. But that is like the, I feel like everyone who is a, a mix maker as a hobby has one song. And I remember um, 
sort of the the grandmaster of all of my mixes uh, was my former English professor, Michael Sharp. And he had the Hay Fever's Trash Can Sinatra, Hay Fever by the Trash Can Sinatras, which he said he put on all of his mixes. Mm. So Hay Fever is, or uh, sorry, uh, My Lucky Day by the Smoking Popes is my Hay Fever. There you go. It is on everything. It, it was on a mix uh, I made um, sometime last, I think the most recent mix I've made um, was for a friend of mine. And it's the last song. on. It's always the last song. It's always got to be the very last track. Like it's the, always the, the one very that closes last it all out. Yep. Mm. So, because that to me is what it feels like to be in love. There you go. My lucky yeah. day really kind of settles that. I was going to say this kind of, this kind of sounds like it could have been on the clerk soundtrack. Uh, yeah. Un- until you said that. <laughs> well, I mean, it does have that, uh, that kind of, uh, it, it's not, it's not as grungy as soul asylums. Uh, can't even tell yeah but it takes some of the lightness right yeah that, that's that, kind of so. where I'm, I'm coming from yeah yeah i can see that oh, I, yeah this is a good one maybe on um chasing amy there you go <laughs> something a little a little brighter but um yeah I guess, I mean, well that's the soundtrack for tommy boy we've pretty much done the whole soundtrack at this point yeah um, um but then i guess there's well, there's the, the the movie to finish out so you know we don't need to tell you, tell you the plot of Tommy Boy. Either you've seen it or you're not going to watch it. Yeah, either you've seen it or your life is miserable and pointless. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tommy Those saves the, the day. Options. I mean, do I need to say it? Yeah, and it's hysterical. And Rob Lowe gets a, uh, a bag of sand to the nuts. He gets his nuts crushed. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> uh, More movies should end with Rob Lowe getting his nuts crushed by a bag of sand. I'm good with that. Although, you know, we want to make it more relevant to modern audiences, so maybe it could be Chris Pratt. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm o- I'm perfectly okay with that. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy 3 needs to end with Chris Pratt getting his nuts crushed by a bag of sand. And then uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd stealing his girlfriend. I'm okay. Again, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I think this is great. I think this is, we've just written a great movie. Yeah. Um, But, so... What do you think of the soundtrack, Ben? Having spent some some time with it, this is a great soundtrack to put on when you're going on a road trip. You, you get you get on the mm-hmm. highway and you put on Tommy Boy, and you're going on like we've said, you're going on an adventure. And this music really kind of keeps the keeps the pedal to the metal, so to speak. You know, you've got your kind of ups and downs in the, in the flow of the soundtrack. Like we didn't really talk about uh, Superstar by the Carpenters much, which is mm. like the one song that really kind of brings this thing to a screeching halt. Yeah, and it's a funny scene in the movie. But it doesn't. It doesn't translate. Yeah, like it's it's kind of there because I don't know why it's here actually. Because like Tim Buck Three isn't on here, which we we've, we've agreed kind of should be. Yeah. But Superstar is, and Superstar is mm. there just as a joke. Yeah. So, I, I think that's kind of the one misstep in the whole soundtrack. Everything else, it's it's remarkably solid, and I enjoy it. And I would. Yeah. I I am still actively looking for a copy of the soundtrack. I'll I'll burn you a mixtape. Awesome. Uh, yeah, because the downside of listening to it on Spotify is it doesn't have the sound clips. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. So uh, that's so get a, get a physical copy. Um, it's it's worth the you know two dollars you're gonna pay for right. it. And also but, the uh, the David Newman score also got a release I think later on like years later, which okay. that that score is also it's really good. I enjoy it. A yeah. Lot. Uh, you may want to, if you're going to uh, move it over to a digital device, you may want to put on a couple of the other f- songs that are featured in the film, including Ray Charles' uh, What I Say, mm-hmm. which uh, is performed in The Wedding by uh, Chris Farley and Brian Dennehy. He hit him with the haze and the hose. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
he references Maniac uh, by Michael Sambello from the Flashdance soundtrack, which is another great soundtrack we should do. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, Ain't Too Proud to Beg, Amazing Grace, Crazy, we talked about. Um, Brenda Lee's I'm Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Wow by Buckwheat Zydeco. And um, yeah, Tim Buck Three's The Future's So Bright, I, I Gotta Wear Shades. Yeah, those <laughs> are the, the ones that are um, part of the the film but are not included on the soundtrack yeah and uh, like i feel like i like, like a lot of good soundtracks like of its era this is a really good kind of mix of what was going on in rock music at the time because like you you, mm-hmm. you could turn on a, a rock radio station in 95 and hear most of this yes you know so now, yeah your college station would have the smoking popes would have seven day diary um would probably you're probably more likely to hear the damned um mm-hmm than uh than the goo goo dolls on you know especially like a college radio station true but a mainstream radio station you'd have the goo goo dolls right and you'd still have like the college stations would probably have the older rem and the modern radio stations would have the newer rem so yeah yeah it's a good balance um with some sort of classics thrown in there again eris 2 superstar on um, my hallucination is definitely dad rock i feel like that very much yes like, at this point has... as much as i said i've enjoyed that sound but that's just kind of because i like dad rock i guess i don't know oh i love dad rock dad rock is my favorite genre <laughs> like we've established that oh yeah yeah it's like dad rock and like college boy rock in 1989 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that's that's kind of where this soundtrack lives yeah i'm your 90s girlfriend <laughs> uh... <laughs> but uh yeah, Tommy, I think Tommy Boy is a great soundtrack. Yeah, it really is. It's a, it's a great soundtrack for a great movie. And I think that's where, I think this might be the first one of those that we've had. You know, uh, yeah. Clerks has some missteps both as a soundtrack and as a film. Uh, the soundtrack to Cool World is way better than the film. Uh, the Crow is a consistent soundtrack, not my thing, but well constructed. The film is not my thing. Um, Batman Forever is a mess, a, a, a hot mess. Yeah, <laughs> with some really, really good things, but it's like it's definitely kind of a, a crazy date. Yeah, like the soundtrack's a hot mess, and the movie uh, twice as hard. Yeah. Uh, so this is, I think, the first one where you walk away from both of these. Like, I am. This was a good thing to do. Yeah, I was thoroughly uh, entertained. By both the movie and the soundtrack, so that's the, yeah. that's that's as, as as much as I can ask for out of yeah. this whole project that we've been doing. Yeah, and I, you know, again, I'm I'm really, you know, still sad that uh, Farley's no longer with us, but I'm glad uh, he gave us this. I know, this yeah, is a, this a beautiful is, gift. This this Tommy Boy really is one of the the most genuine movies to come out of sort of like the the SNL actor. Uh, I guess movie career phase like like Will Ferrell left Saturday Night Live and made a bunch of dad movies. Adam Sandler left Saturday Night Live and made a whole bunch of Abby Doobie movies. But yeah. Tommy Boy really does feel like it came from a genuine place, and I appreciate yeah, and that. Yeah, I, I think the next one we're gonna get that sort of felt that way would be The Wedding Singer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which so. is kind of the last of Adam Sandler's like genuine. It's probably the first as well. I think that's probably. I mean, like Billy Madison's funny, but it's not genuine. Um, that's like that. We get this one bright shining moment of Adam Sandler, and then it's yeah, it's just... it's that it's the start of that sweet spot where Adam Sandler really started to try. Yeah, and then it's like nope, every new reunion to make eight crazy nights. As soon as he hit eight crazy nights, yep, that's yep. Solid and four bright shining years. <laughs> uh, 
Oh man. But um, but yeah. So uh, yeah. To wind this up, what was your top track? What would you say? Ooh. I don't want to default and just say it's the end of the world as we know it because obviously I'm going to pick that. Uh, so instead of stuff that's exclusive to this soundtrack, so not Come On Eileen, not oh. you know ones that were really kind of put together for the soundtrack. Right. Okay. Um, hmm. Shit. You know, I'm gonna have to go with uh, my lucky day. This is that's, right. that's definitely what I'm gonna be listening to more often now that that's I've discovered one. it. That's a good one. What about you? What's 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 your pick? Always air. Okay. So it's solid. And then followed. It's sort of tied with my lucky day, but I I listen to air a lot more. Mm-hmm. So. But uh, and I, I really enjoyed yeah. the the Google Goo Dolls track on this one too. Like I, I yeah. had forgotten that they were even on the soundtrack. Yeah, it's uh, and again, because it doesn't sound like a Goo Goo Doll song, because it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but and again, that's you know we talk about uh under the covers that's been one of my favorite reoccurring features on this is discovering you know what you know these 90s covers of punk songs has been really fun yeah yeah so um well good so what are we doing next week i think it's your pick well libby i think it's time you and i enter the danger zone Ooh. with uh 1986's top gun Oh, yes. I'm really excited because you know I love playing with the boys. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got we got Kenny Loggins. We got Berlin. Uh, we got Miami Sound Machine. This is going to be a great one. I can already feel it. We got more it. Kenny Loggins. One of the things I love about uh, 80s Kenny Loggins soundtracks is you never just get one Loggins. Oh, you have to get you get at least two Loggins tracks on there. Double your Loggins. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I just he feels he's like, I'm not doing just one. No. Why I'm would you? Two. Yeah, and this actually Top Gun has my favorite Kenny Loggins song. And it's not Top and it's not Danger Zone, it's is it? Not Danger Zone. Uh huh. So we'll talk about all that and more. So if you have any questions or comments or complaints or recommendations, or if you just want to yell at us for a bit, uh, you can email us at ostpartypod at gmail dot com or come find us on Twitter at ostparty. Uh, Libby, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me at Libby Cudmore on Twitter or on Instagram at record underscore Saturday. Don't forget to take our polls this week, too. Yes, absolutely. That'll be up uh, the day this episode drops, which which is usually going to be a Thursday. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find me on, on Twitter at Cordial Wombat. Uh, it's a spoonerism of a malapropism of Mortal Kombat, because why not? <laughs> and also, I'm on Instagram as Cordial Wombat, so... Go go over there and, and yell at me if you want. I really don't mind. <laughs> What's there to yell about? We just talked about Tommy Boy. Yeah, if you don't like Tommy Boy, don't bother talking to us. Exactly, anymore. yeah. So. They're the huge embarrassing failures. <laughs> uh, so, so for uh, OST Party, I'm Joseph Wade. And I'm Libby Cudmore. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. This factory goes under, the whole town goes under. And that's when the whores come in. Here we go. Excuse me, what was that? Men laying their trick money down, $20 to pay the rent. Mm, Maybe instead I'll spend it on the whore.